0: A pro life mentality is growing. Uh, Education persists around the world. I left a job that I love to do this full time, but I haven't looked back with an ounce of regret.
1: Welcome to this week's edition of First Person, and our guest today, Brad Mattis, CEO of Life Issues Institute. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and coming up in just a moment, I'll introduce you to Brad and his work on behalf of the pro-life movement. Whether this is your first time to be with us for this weekly program, or you are a regular, let me remind you that in addition to this radio airing, First Person can also be heard online and as a podcast Our programs are always archived at FirstPersonInterview.com to listen to on demand, plus they are available as a podcast through iTunes free of charge. Our website will also give you more follow-up information about today's guest and a look at the upcoming schedule. Visit us at FirstPersonInterview.com. Today's guest is Brad Mattis of Life Issues Institute, headquartered in Cincinnati, Ohio, an organization which disseminates effective pro-life educational materials. He is also president of International Right to Life Federation, founded by Dr. Jack Wilkie. Brad is the host of the television program Facing Life Head-On and the radio host of Life Issues. And we connected on the phone recently to talk about his life and mission on behalf of the unborn.
0: You know, I grew up in a very solid Christian family, the second of five boys. And when I was 10, my mother told me, I'll, I remember it vividly. We were in the kitchen and she said that another baby was coming. And this one was very unexpected. And uh, when the child was born, I really took an active part in taking care of of my little brother. His name is Christian, and uh, that included changing diapers, feeding, uh, babysitting. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was one of my most fondest child memories, and we're very close today. So that helped develop a real love and abiding uh, passion for babies. And my senior year in high school in Billings, Montana, I was in a persuasive speech class, and I decided to do my speech on abortion. So I went to the local Right to Life group, and I remember a very nice lady by the name of Mary Rose gave me a bunch of pro life materials. They were what she called the Wilkie Slides, the Wilkie Handbook on Abortion, the Wilkie Life or Death brochure, the Did You Know brochure, the Life Magazine supplement, and equipped me very well to present information, factual information on fetal development and what abortion does to an unborn child. That was Dr.
1: Jack Wilkie's doing, right?
0: That's right. All of those materials were developed by Jack and Barbara Wilkie. Him, of course, an obstetrician, and she was a nurse in a teaching hospital um, here in Ohio. And uh, I prepared my presentation. I took a poll of of my fellow classmates before, and uh, it was about 50-50, support and opposition of abortion. I gave my presentation, took another poll, and it was unanimous for Hmm. life. And I I learned early on what the Wilkies knew so well, um, just a tiny bit of what they knew, was that uh, pro-life education is the foundation, it's the heart of political and legislative victories. Mm -hmm. So after I graduated from high school, the teachers in the local high schools had me come back every year and uh, talk on abortion because they liked the idea of having uh, somebody close to their own age speaking to them on this controversial topic. And that was my beginning. The more I learned, Wayne, about abortion, the more I had a passion and desire that God put on my heart to do something about it. It was such a grave injustice to a segment of society that couldn't be more vulnerable and innocent but yet we're being sentenced to die for social or economic reasons.
1: So your course was determined pretty early for you in life.
0: It was, it was. Um, and I think God just put those desires on my heart and gave me life experiences as he does with everyone so that we are equipped and prepared to do what he has us do later in life. You know, I, I often say God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Yeah. Right. And I think through our lives, we can see that exact same thing where God has prepared us to do uh, the good works He's prepared for us in advance.
1: Well,. But you don't just flip a switch and go from uh, from having that issue in your heart as a high schooler to being CEO of the Life Issues <laughs> Institute. So tell me what happened in between.
0: Well, I, I went and, and became involved in the local Billings, Montana Right to Life chapter. I was the token non-Catholic and had to endure many conversations about uh, baby showers and weddings and various things before we got down to business. But... <laughs> <laughs> That went from to being involved on the state level, the State Board of Directors, to being uh, Vice President and President of Montana Right to Life. I got married and moved to Wyoming and got involved there, and I became the Vice President and President of, of Montana or Wyoming Right to Life.
1: <laughs> so you've been moving east all your life, huh?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, and then I served on the Board of Directors for National Right to Life, representing these two states, and got to know Dr. Wookie pretty well. So... um He came out and spoke at a state convention that I organized and was very pleased with the work that he saw and asked me to come work for the Political Action Committee, which I was very much enjoying living in Montana at that time and really didn't want to move away from family, but I felt God calling and tapping me on the shoulder. So we moved to um, Sacramento, California and worked out of the Western Regional Office for National Right to Life. And my territory was the western 13 states and uh during an election cycle it was very busy one morning i had uh i was still living in montana hadn't transferred yet i had uh, a breakfast meeting in sacramento a uh lunch meeting in san diego and a dinner meeting in el paso texas
1: <laughs> what couldn't you schedule a brunch in there somewhere
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh so yeah a frequent flyer is what what I was, and um, it was it was very hard work, but uh, very rewarding work.
1: Yeah. Well, Brad, I, I know, of course, of your admiration and love for Doctor Wilkie right from the beginning, and his wife Barbara. We should mention that Barbara recently went home to be with the Lord, and our prayers are with Doctor Jack.
0: Yes, uh, we are very saddened by that, and uh, Doctor Wilkie continues to emotionally and spiritually heal from losing his wife of. They would have been uh, married for 65 years uh, in June. So that's something that he really struggles with, and we're praying earnestly for him and working closely with him to get him through this difficult time.
1: How do we properly express to people like the Wilkies how much we appreciate the stand they have taken for so many years? I mean, you've picked up the banner now, and, and others are doing the same, but we, we they were pioneers, and we, we love them to death.
0: Oh, we do, and uh, we really need to express that love to them and let them know that uh, there are babies alive because of of their efforts. And I believe that when Barbara got to heaven, she was surrounded by little infants that had died from Mm. abortion as far as the heavenly eye could see, all with their arms uplifted to Barbara thanking her for trying to save them. And knowing Barbara, she picked up each one of those babies and loved on them as long as it took. Hmm. And with an eternity, I guess you've got all the time in the world. But um, I think she came face to face with the love, Hmm. uh, the result of her work.
1: Wow, what a picture that is. Well, going all the way back to your school days when you were able to convince those classmates, are, are people open and receptive to the message or... Is the is the country pretty polarized on this issue?
0: Well, it's been a long, arduous battle, Wayne, to get to where we are today. But Dr. Wilkie and I have seen slow, steady progress Uh, recently. I just observed the 38th year of working in pro life activity. Dr. Wilkie has been involved longer than I, and we've seen encouraging signs as of late. Uh, Consistent polling shows that more people self-identify as pro-life than pro-abortion. The young generation coming up is more pro-life than their parents, so we're seeing all kinds of evidence. Um, The development of sonogram and its perfection of of 3D and, and 4D when you add motion to it is a common occurrence for every pregnancy, and that's teaching the world, that these are beautiful, unborn children deserving yeah. of respect and love.
1: Yeah, I've seen some of those recently, those images, and it just is so clear, and it's, uh, it's just amazing how anyone could argue the other way. Uh, I want to talk to you about the rest of the world and a, specifically a trip you took recently, but before we do, uh, just quickly, uh, often we don't think of the men when it comes to abortion. You've spent a good deal of time uh, talking to men about uh, post-abortion counseling, haven't you?
0: Yes, I have. We we began to get letters and emails from hurting fathers who uh, were anguishing about the death of their unborn child. So I told Dr. Wilkie that I think we're missing something. We're acknowledging the pain of women but not the fathers. And as I did more anecdotal research, I realized that there were a lot of hurting fathers out there very little research done, but then there was a patchwork of other people wanting to help these fathers. So we formed the Men in Abortion Network, and it's about 12 or 13 of us who are considered more expert in this field. I counsel post-abortive fathers, and I have uh, lectured on this internationally and written quite extensively about this. And uh, we realize that, yes, there's a lot of pain that fathers have as a result of abortion because their baby died. Either they pushed for that death, forced the woman to have an abortion, either they opposed it, or in many cases, close to 50%, they weren't even aware of the pregnancy until after the abortion. So there's many scenarios we have to work through, but anger is the most consistent symptom we see.
1: So men have that sense of loss just like women do.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and God has designed in men to provide and protect our family and offspring. And when an abortion takes place, that obliterates that. And as a result, there's a lot of, of symptoms we see emotionally when we break that precious that we as fathers have from our Creator.
1: We'll talk more with pro-life leader Brad Mattis on today's edition of First Person, coming up in just a moment. Next time, you'll love the enthusiasm of Tommy Moore. So I get excited about
0: even the hard times because God is separating the sheep and the goats. And I love to be a part of what God is doing. I don't want God to be a part of what I'm doing.
1: I want to go where he's at and do what he's doing. Tommy Moore of World Relief's Chicago office speaks up on behalf of refugees and immigrants living among us. Next week on First Person. First Person. My guest on First Person today is Brad Mattis. Brad is the CEO of Life Issues Institute, internationally headquartered in Cincinnati, Ohio, established to serve the educational needs of the pro-life movement. Uh, its primary objective is to globally develop and disseminate effective pro-life educational material, and has been doing so for many, many years. Brad, it's an honor to have you on the program here today. Now, uh, as we talk about the pro-life movement, I want to look at it globally and just wonder if you have any observations about how we're doing worldwide on this issue.
0: Well, I do have some insight into that, Wayne. Uh, in my spare time, I serve as president of the International Right to Life Federation, and we have uh, board members from twelve regions around the world. Uh, we get together once a year in a, in a major educational uh, conference wherever we meet in various parts of the globe. Uh, Dr. Wilkie and I have both traveled fairly extensively in other nations, uh, providing a pro-life presence, educating leaders, uh, talking to elected leaders and whatnot. And um, there are places where it is it is very difficult, where abortion on demand has uh, embedded itself. Unfortunately, America has exported abortion on demand since 1973, and uh, but at the same time, we're seeing bright spots such as Ireland, uh, spots in Africa. Um, a pro-life mentality is growing. Uh, education persists around the world, creating awareness about life in the womb. The same uh, technology with ultrasound and whatnot is is permeating the globe. And as a result, we're slowly but surely bringing people to the realization that abortion kills babies and often physically and emotionally harms the women. Mm. So we are making progress. Mm.
1: Take time to tell me about one specific trip. Now, I understand you recently went to Ethiopia.
0: Oh, it was a great trip, Wayne. Uh, I took the film crew with me, and we filmed... uh, Wanted to get two episodes for our, our weekly pro life uh, television program, Facing Life Head On. We came back with four episodes. Mm. Um, I love Africa. This was my third uh, return to that continent. And Ethiopia is a very unique and amazing place. It's got a personality all of its own. Unfortunately, there's a lot of poverty. Uh, as is frequently in in Africa. But what we found, Wayne, is that the people were so content and happy, even when they had virtually nothing. And we came back, changed people as a result of that. Um, We went to a compound where some pro-life American Christians had started a maternity home. It's called Living Hope Maternity Home in um, a town, a fairly good-sized city in Ethiopia. Um, and we talk to the people there who staff that. We talk to the, the young women with infants. We talk to young pregnant women. In that society, uh, pregnancy out of wedlock is simply not tolerated, and girls are literally thrown out into the street. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they go. The first place they go to is the abortion clinic, and uh, either by word of mouth or uh, just clear by miracle, I think they're all miracles, but they come in contact with, with the maternity home and are given a place in an environment which they frankly don't believe exists when everything starts because they, they find sanctuary, they find food, they find health care, they find education. The uh, Living Hope teaches them how to make a living, how to take care of their babies, how to take care of themselves and ultimately become independent. And each girl is sponsored by an American donor, and they're also given uh, the eternal life is extended hmm. to them through the witnessing of Jesus Christ as their Savior. And every girl that I interviewed said, I have Jesus, and I have my baby, oh. and I will be fine. I'll make it. Hmm.
1: So abortion is legal in Ethiopia.
0: It is. It is, and it's used so often because of the terrible poverty that's there and the lack of any government funding or assistance that, that we enjoy here in this country.
1: What are some of the other stories that you bumped into there in Ethiopia? I'd, I'd love to hear what God is doing there, and it's, it's amazing to think about such a place and, and all that's going on. So tell me more.
0: Well, there was another gentleman in, in the capital of Addis Ababa, in Ethiopia, who had spent six years in the Denver, Colorado area. And of course, it is so much nicer in America, uh, quality-wise, lifestyle-wise, than Ethiopia. But he felt God was calling him to go back to the country and start the equivalent of what would be an Ethiopian uh, nursing home. And he had a fairly nice home that he grew up in. His, His parents moved to America and stayed there. And he converted this this home into what we would call a nursing home. Now, what he literally did, Wayne, is they went into the streets and took the poor, the destitute, the mentally ill, uh, Down syndrome, autistic, just elderly, um, those who were, were delusional and insane, uh, handicapped people that have been, um, and forsaken. And he literally picked them up out of the gutter at times, picked them up off the street, washed them, clothed them, fed them, housed them. But this organization that's run by all volunteers, no paid staff, 35 volunteers run this place, and they have 155 residents. They say the, the most important thing we give to these residents is love, because if you don't give them love, you give them nothing. And the love of Christ and what Christ did for them is what motivates their desire to do for others.
1: What happens in your heart and mind, Brad, when you encounter a story like that, a a servant of Christ who really labors um, in obscurity? Mm -hmm. Not very many people know. Uh, I certainly didn't know what was going on with these stories you're telling us in Ethiopia but what goes on in your heart when you see it for the and you, and you interact with these people and see the results of their ministry?
0: Well, these are things that I've been blessed to see for many years working in the pro-life movement, a lot of unsung heroes. The gentleman that started this, this nursing home in Ethiopia wouldn't even consent to an interview with the crew because he didn't want to get any of the glory. Mm. He wanted that to go to Christ alone. So we interviewed his brother, who was part of that, as well as some of the residents. But when you see that, your heart is so deeply moved, and you realize that God has put me here also to do all that I can to further his kingdom and to reach out to those who are hurting or who have nothing and to help them to the best of my ability.
1: Yeah. What's the best thing that we can do? I'm thinking uh, globally now, what can we do to promote pro-life
0: around the world? Well, I think the best thing to do is, is help those who are helping the other people. For instance, the, the Christians in Ethiopia that are, are sponsoring the widows and the elderly for like $40 a month, uh, $30 a month sponsors a young woman and, and her child who was plucked out of uh, abject poverty. Um, there are those organizations that are doing marvelous work and uh, a piece of what we make you know, every month, an offering, could go to them that would have an enormous impact in other cultures and societies where the dollar goes so much further.
1: You mentioned that you were there in Ethiopia filming for television. Your program is called Facing Life Head-On. You also have a radio program that many are familiar with called Life Issues, that daily radio commentary. Um, are, do you find it hard to... Uh, find outlets for programs and programming of that type, or are are stations willingly taking what you're offering?
0: Well, we offer something unique that really isn't offered by anyone else, uh, quality cutting-edge information that that we provide, and we found that a lot of the Christian radio stations have a real desire to be partners uh, for life, to expand God's kingdom, to do His will regarding those who are most vulnerable in society. So, I've been very encouraged by uh Christian radio stations who feel a call and desire to come alongside and help us get this information out. And the same with those who are in the T V broadcasting area. Of course, sadly so I guess, but it's a reality we can use to our advantage is that when it's on T V it somehow has a credibility that you wouldn't have if it were in a library in a book. Mm-hmm. So we're able to reach have access to 95% of America's households and we're throughout Canada also. So it enables us to have a bigger audience with a pro-life message that isn't censored by the media and, you know, the secular world's judgment. They've given us two regional Emmy awards, so I guess we we are reaching them and that's not for our glory, that's for God's, but it's it's a vote of confidence the Lord has given us that we seem to be on the right path and that He's blessing our work.
1: Brad, you've been doing this for nearly 40 years. Any regrets? Um, I yeah. mean, it's it's been a long, hard battle, hasn't it
0: been? It, it has, but I can't imagine doing anything else. I left a job that I loved to do this full-time, but I haven't looked back with an ounce of regret discouragement many times, but never regret. And I never think that I just want to quit this important job that we're doing.
1: Today's First Person guest has been Brad Mattis, CEO of Life Issues Institute and the president of the International Right to Life Federation. For more about Brad and the vital work of these organizations, please visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. I'm Wayne Shepard, and today's conversation is just one of many that we've done through the years, and you can view the list and listen to any of them online at firstpersoninterview.com. Or even better, why not subscribe through iTunes and receive the program automatically each week? And then for any comments or questions you have about First Person, please visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. That's facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Next week, our guest will be Tommy Moore of World Relief, who grew up in the inner city of Chicago and has a unique story. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us again next week for First Person.